0: TV, a when I met my sister sister I felt complete The house was full then Even fuller now i learned that family matters More than anything Clueless till she came through wow, Oh She told me I see you Such a right tough way Step by step walked me through And that's enough for me with me up, got the moon right, danced like a subbrite night in the moonlight. She said it's birthday night and the mood is right. And we're gonna have some fun. Let me show you how it's done. It's All
1: right, welcome to week number one sixty-two of the two guys in the Fridays Podcast. My name is Steven, and that over there is Travis. What's up? How's it going? Steve, whoa what's up Uh know, you know, stuff cool man new house it's kind of cool um, new record new studio new studio this is uh studio 8c just a letter sure. and a number i don't know uh hey welcome everyone this is the uh, two guys in the fridays podcast where we go back we watch tgif 30 years after it airs and uh lots of stuff coming up but let's get a couple things out of the way thanks to callie for the theme song this week
2: thank you callie it's a good that was one nice you. forgot we hadn't That's played that one new. in a
1: while i like that one a lot um, If you want to send in your own version of the theme song You can do that too Just uh, shoot us an email TGIFcast at gmail.com And uh, while you're doing that Make sure you're following us on all social media At TGIFcast Cast stands for podcast Not the cast of TGIF I mean it could be but
2: That'd be cool though
1: If you were trying to send the cast of TGIF an email through there Probably wouldn't get there though
2: no, but let me uh let us get that mailing list. Whatever whoever's got that cast of TGIF mailing list, send that send that our way, please. Yeah, Thank
1: you. Send it our way. Um, let's see. So we got that out of the way. Is this where we look back at what was going on thirty years ago?
2: Yes, yeah, Steve. What was going on in the news thirty years ago day? By the way, this this episode to give context would have aired uh, October twenty third, nineteen ninety two.
1: So I've got technically four stories, but at the same time, they're kind of one story that happened over four different days. So October the 17th, 1992 was the uh, first baseball World Series game featuring a non-American team, the Toronto Blue Jays. Cool. And then on the 18th, this is all just Blue Jays World Series stuff. (laughs) The 18th, (laughs) the first non-American team to win a baseball Mm. World Series game. I was on the 18th. The 20th was the uh, first World Series game played outside of the U.S. And then the 22nd was the uh, first American team to win a baseball game outside of the U.S. A baseball game. World Series Series game. Okay. 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 All World Series and all involve the Blue Jays in some form.
2: I'll go to Toronto. Good for you all.
1: Yeah. That's all I got. Just some sports for you. What about movies, music? They're still a team,
2: right? Or did they still did they get a moved? Team.
1: They're still a team. Yeah. The
2: expos are not a team
1: anymore. That's right. Yeah. Montreal. Okay.
2: Sure. Montreal. Uh, nothing. I got no, nothing. Nothing. For you. No, well, I got one thing for you, but no changes to movies. Okay. Under siege. Still number one. End uh, of the road. Still number one. Okay. We do have a birthday this week. It is Miss Suzanne Summers, of course, you know, Carol from uh, Step by Step. So happy birthday, Suzanne. That was on the 16th, Sunday the 16th. So happy
1: birthday. Have you updated the birthday sheet with uh, the Camp Wilder folks?
2: No, I need to. By the time I get around to it, it's like I hope it's like
1: someone's cool's birthday, like Beth's.
2: Sure. (laughs) Go Beth
1: uh all right so yeah is this episode time i think that's what we do here Um, i think
2: it's episode time i think we've done all the stuff
1: four new episodes uh we're starting off with your eight o'clock slot this is family matters season four episode five uh number one with a bullet is the name of this one and uh we start off we're in the living room uh i think we've got uh carl and harriet and rachel
2: rachel yeah
1: they're playing some hearts uh, Steve comes over, he wants to join them, and then uh, kind of just ruins the game. I think he, like, says what's in Carl's hand, pretty much.
2: Right, right, right. Yep.
1: Um, he also talked about how he's having this, like, pain. And uh, he's not really sure what it is, but... Uh, well, he says it's
2: in his stomach. We know that it's, it's like, a stomach pain.
1: Yeah, we do know that. Um, Steve then tries to ask Laura out and uh, kind of uses this pain to his advantage and tells him that if he's going to die... Um, he's well. No, he tells her that he is going to die if she turns him down again. She turns him down, and then he starts like grabbing his side in pain, collapses on the floor. It's serious. Carl goes checks his vitals and then uh, tells Harry get the ambulance. So something's going on yeah. with Mister Urkel. He straight passes it out. Uh, that's where we go after the theme song too. We are now in the hospital with Steve Urkel, who is uh, still in pain. Uh, The whole Winslow family shows up. Uh, Eddie's got some flowers that he stole from a dead guy next door. Uh, Richie got him a magazine, which he got out of a dumpster. And uh, then the doctor comes in. We find out... I just
2: want to say, I want to say real quick. Yeah. That uh, for as much much grief as the Winslows give to Steve, I mean, they all show up in the hospital. Like, you don't just do that for somebody who's your random annoying neighbor.
1: They do, yeah. Which uh, I was going to point out later because... uh, they don't Fair all enough. show up later on in the episode. That's true. So Steve's got appendicitis, Bunchy. which of course reminds me of when I had appendicitis and uh yeah. Have we told that story on the show before?
2: We've told that story on the show before, but yeah, it, it was almost the end of our very brief friendship at that time.
1: Yep. Um so the doctor tells him to get some rest. You're going to have to get this thing taken out. Um Steve of course is getting a little nervous and uh he asks the family if he can speak to Laura alone. So <laughs> All of the Winslow's leave the room. He's in there alone with Laura. Once again, he confesses his life of love for her and uh, asks if he can have just one thing to remember her by. Um, he starts big, starts off with uh, marriage, eventually Yuck. settles with a kiss on the uh, forehead from Laura, which she offered, and uh, yeah, that's all he needed, really.
2: Yeah, so, she obliges, and and that was their negotiation
1: um so then the next scene is uh after the surgery steve is waking up um he i think he hears laura's voice but hasn't opened his eyes yet and then just starts kissing uh carl winslow on the mouth thinking it's laura
2: it was a pretty funny scene yeah he just starts straight making out with carl
1: um so then steve does fall asleep uh because he hasn't had any rest well i guess he just woke up though but i falls back asleep and Carl starts celebrating with Laura because he has now realized that three for three days they're gonna have the uh, Casa de Winslow alone because Steve will be in the hospital and not at their house.
2: Yeah, he's gonna be recuperating
1: for three days. How
2: were you? Were you in the hospital for more? Was not I don't even know if days I when you got
1: stayed it? overnight or not. It might, it might have yeah. been one night tops. I didn't know that
2: it was that serious of a. I mean, maybe it's not. I'm mean, you know, it's TV. I'm sure there are – playing it up but to me it seems a fairly in and out kind of process look
1: it's a serious procedure
2: (laughs) i mean sure it is you have a body part removed you've had you've had an amputation
1: and also i mean it may be different than it was in 92 like the medicine what they're doing now that kind of thing of course um all right so i believe this is the next day uh it's morning now A bed is getting wheeled into Steve Urkel's room, and on top of it, laying face down, may I add, is uh, Carl Winslow, who uh, is begging the nurse to find another room. Uh, We find out that... um there i think that we find out pretty immediately right of why he's in there maybe no a little later first um there's like a little bit of
2: actually say why he's in there before he shows up basically what happens is that steve you know steve's in the room doing his thing and then nurses come in and they say they've got someone who was shot in the butt and they need to share this room with steve and then they wheel in, you know the person on a gurney we find out it's carl
1: yeah and there's
2: there's... a couple people here real quick i want to mention there's a nurse named charlene her name, Annie, Annie Gaggin is the, the actress. She was a customer in the the Robo nerd two episode. So the one where he was, uh, you know, the cop. Um, and then there is Juan Pope. He was, uh, one of the orderlies that, that's kind of pushing Carl around and he was in the born to be mild episode, which is the one where they, they go to the pool hall. Um, and he yeah, was, yeah. he was one of the, one of the kind of like tough guys. His name was chain in that, that episode.
1: I'm trying to remember the Robo Nerd two episode where you say it was the one where she was they, a customer. This,
2: yeah, so they did the sting at the convenience store, and I think she was just a random background customer that was in the store when Robo Nerd. Because remember they did that they set up the fake display with the Robo Urkel in it. Okay, and to, and then when the the robbers came in, Robo Urkel came alive and you know, captured them. That's right. That's right. I okay. think she was just a random background person in that.
1: So we then get, like, a little scene of them, like, struggling to get Carl onto his bed. They end up rolling him over, who then falls off onto the floor. He's like, I can handle it myself. And he just stands up and gets <laughs> just, on the bed, pretty much.
2: Just stands up, walks right over to the bed.
1: Yep. Uh, Carl tells Steve kind of what happened. Um, he was stopping a robbery at a jewelry store. And uh, he one guy got away, but he held the other guy down and got shot, I guess. He got
2: shot in the process,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um. Then the Winslows show up. Uh, not all of them, though. Um, not as many that showed up for Steve Urkel. But uh, Lieutenant Murtaugh does show up as well, and uh, he immediately tries to make a move on Rachel, um, putting his arm around her. She doesn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> I wrote down, of course, exactly what he said. I guess you are one of those chicks who won't loosen up without booze. Which it's uh, a lot. Uh, I don't know if they would put that line in a show to, in a comedy family show today. But uh, he get she gets a he gets a big eye roll from uh from Rachel after that one.
2: Maybe that's the reason that this is his last episode. Oh is he's going <laughs> out with, Yeah, he's going Jeez. out with a bang. He's like, I know what's up. i am I'm gonna, it's gonna get this line out while I can
1: Yeah, HR probably just fired him or something after that. Right. One. Um Yeah, same so practices. The uh then Murtaugh uh calls Steve a nerd and a wuss, and that's kind of it for that scene, I think.
2: Yep. Yep. And that is the end of Lieutenant.
1: That's it. That's that's really it. Wow. He's done. Okay. Done. Uh, I liked him as a character, all right. I mean he, he had his provided mo- he had his some moments. laughs he had his and moments. some cringes. But uh Yeah. Um next scene we've got uh Steve and Carl eating dinner. Steve is eating like an absolute animal, by the way. Just shoving that. food in his face and like picking up a whole steak by a fork and just biting bites out of it and um grossing Carl out enough where he can't even eat anymore.
2: Well, I disagree with you there. I okay. don't think, I don't think Urkel was grossing Carl out. The food I in think general the food was grossing Carl out and Carl just had no interest in the hospital food.
1: Yeah. He does mention that the food's pretty bad later. So I guess that makes sense. But what we do get in this scene is the most incredible tray slide that <laughs> I have ever seen.
2: Solid. It's solid.
1: Like Steve's like, bring it over here. So Carl pushes his tray it goes off of his bedside tray table onto the other table, pushing Steve's tray off with his tray landing in front of him. You have to go back and watch this if you haven't watched this episode.
2: It's good. It's real good. It's, they're, this and the uh, rolling off the bed kind of reminded me of the perfect very strangers. Perfect Strangers type dags. Yeah, yeah. But this, this was played very well. This one looked great.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, then we've got... Um, Steve annoying uh Carl by playing a song for him and singing uh, with an accordion right and uh Steve is just trying to cheer Carl up and uh, then he shows Carl Alfred who is his appendix that he has in a jar next to the bed but Carl's like I just need some sleep I need some rest I haven't had any please just uh just be quiet so did um, you
2: have did did you get to keep your appendix you know I don't think I
1: asked like maybe yeah. they would have let me but I didn't I didn't bother.
2: When I got my wisdom teeth out, I begged them to let me keep my wisdom teeth. And when I woke up from being under, they were like, I was like, where are my wisdom teeth? I want them. And they're like, uh, we had to crush them to get them out. So uh, they're We there didn't mean no to throw them away, but we accidentally threw them right, away. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly, exactly.
1: Um, so then there's like a scene of uh, Steve trying to adjust Carl's bed. And uh, Carl then kind of just snaps on Steve because he like, didn't i think he like raised his feet up in the air no 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 no
2: what he does is he hits some button that like that makes the bed basically sandwich him so both ends of the bed come up and and like put him at a v so
1: um carl goes off he just starts yelling at steve um who eventually like gets up out of his bed goes over to the bathroom while this is going on the doctor comes in and pulls a gun on carl because no this is not a doctor this is uh ralphie's brother the guy that shot carl it's his brother Ralphie's brother, Jenkins. That's his name, Jenkins?
2: Jenkins, who's Christopher Dana, who was a... Okay, so two, two episodes here. Full House, the episode where where Jesse goes to the party with Rebecca and all her smart friends, and he feels like an idiot because mm-hmm. he doesn't... So he was a waiter in that episode. And then he was also... Do you remember the episode in Family Matters? We got Carl, we got Lieutenant. They're doing the stakeout across the street. And then there's a whole bunch of like talk of... Lieutenant taking the credit for something he didn't deserve, and they get interviewed at the end about about yeah, how yeah, yeah, yeah. he was he was one of the reporters. That's, okay, that's that's uh, Christopher Dana who is now Jenkins, this robber.
1: Yep, Jenkins is gonna kill Carl because uh, he doesn't want there to be any witnesses of uh, his brother shooting a cop. So he pulls out a gun. Carl tries to like talk him to him a little bit, knowing that Steve is behind him with a bedpan, who eventually smashes it over Jenkins' head. They shove him into the bed. He hits the button, sandwiches him up, and uh Steve has now saved Carl's life.
2: Do you think? Do, do you think this was before or after Stone Cold did this to Steve or Vince uh, McMahon?
1: <laughs> uh, it's before. I know it's before. That was like this episode is before. Yeah, that was like ninety-eight, or, ninety-nine. Stone Cold. Uh, I always,
2: I always think that that era was a lot earlier than it was. But you're right
1: um so then we have a scene a little later on um the winslows are some of them i guess are back in the hospital uh they thank steve for saving carl's life uh laura and harriet leave and then steve and carl have it was just the two of them i think that came after he got shot or after he almost got killed murdered um that that sounds right steve tells carl that uh i'm not gonna annoy you anymore but carl apologizes for snapping on him thanks him for saving his life and pretty much tell steve that uh his friendship means a whole lot to him he wants to be friends with him which i felt like they're kind of already friends but uh <laughs> right. appreciates his friendship into the episode we do get a credit scene though with uh steve just closing carl in the bed like over and over and over again right right all right so that's uh family matters into our eight thirty. this is step by step season two episode six the boss is the name of the episode a lot going on in this one uh Mark and Al, um, they're messing with this lie detector that Mark uh, got from his teacher to do some extra credit with. Uh, They're in the kitchen with that. Cody comes in, wants to try it out. Mark's like, just answer yes to everything. He's like, are you a girl? Yes. And it goes red. And then, uh, do you sell life insurance? Yes. And it goes red. And then, have you ever been abducted by an alien? And it turns green. And Cody's like, whoa, that wasn't a dream. So, (laughs) according to the lie detector... Cody was, has been abducted by an alien at some. Point. That's
2: not even how the. That's not even how it works, but,
1: sure. Um, all right. So theme song. We come back to uh, Carol and Frank in the kitchen. Carol is uh, looking over the bills, getting a little mad that Frank is uh, spending money on like tractor magazines. But I think it came with a free T-shirt, right? Well,
2: is this not where where she asked him about the lingerie? Magazine? That's later
1: on. That's later on.
2: Okay, okay, so Tractor Magazine, yes. Your yeah, product.
1: it's like 60 bucks a year or something like that, but he gets a free t-shirt, I don't know. Um, then JT... I feel like that was
2: like kind of a normal price for specialty magazines back
1: then. Yeah, probably was. Um. JT and Karen come in. Uh, we find out that this 50s cafe opened up and they both got jobs there. Then Dana comes in, find out she also got a job there, but she's going to be the assistant manager, which means she's going to be Karen and JT's boss.
2: Boss, the boss
1: um so next scene we're at this 50s cafe is it just rachel's place just uh, rebranded or no it
2: is not rachel's place
1: okay uh dana's there out comes her boss uh mr passarelli who is played by albert molinaro who was al on happy days
2: Happy Days, uh, and I mean it makes uh, sense. Schmacci, like, Mork and Mindy, all of all of that. The but Weezer, they're trying to get like the Weezer Happy video. Days,
1: like, uh, oh, diner absolutely. going on with this whole thing. With you
2: know. absolutely, absolutely.
1: Um. So we also find out that uh, he used his wife's money to buy this restaurant. She doesn't know that he bought it. He she, <laughs> she thinks he bought uh like a photo booth or something. And uh, no, nah, he just bought a restaurant. And um, he needs Dana to help run it uh karen comes out she's uh dressed in her 50s gear a couple of cooks come out they've got the hots for karen of course
2: one of which is uh billy who is devin gummersall who is from my so-called life brian krakow so we're just we're just racking up these my so-called life actors Ma'am. on uh on step by Step.
1: did we uh figure out what year my so-called life came out 95 so after this though
2: i'm guessing hold on i'm guessing Ninety four,
1: but yes, afterwards. Still after, yep. Then, uh, J. What was um, Peggy Sue? Is that right? The name on uh, Karen's shirt. She
2: was Peggy Sue, and he was ch- uh, Cubby. Cubby. JT Cubby. comes
1: out. So they have like these sweaters on with their work name printed all the way across the chest. JT comes out. He hates his because not only does he have this like sweater and slick back hair, but he has to wear like this. I guess fifty style beanie that I thought was just a yarmulke, but apparently Well, no. it's like
2: a is it a not? A, it's a propeller beanie, like one of those ones that you see in old kind of cartoons.
1: So um, they're getting ready to open the store or the restaurant. First day, opening day. Then you hear this engine sound. Um, Mr. Passarelli talks about hiring a DJ, and then Cody comes riding on a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> in a leather jacket, through the front door into the restaurant, dressed just like the Fonz. But I think he says, "Oh, no, I'm just like the guy at the Texaco uh, down the street, or something like that."
2: They do, yeah, they do make the Fonzie joke, which uh, was pretty obligatory. I think it's funny they hired a, re- a DJ for a '50s themed restaurant. Like, DJs weren't even really uh, so much a thing like that. I don't think. In the yeah, 50s. why wouldn't you just have a jukebox? And yeah, you can buy what well, a jukebox or B any number of CDs you could just put on repeat that would play. Thirty songs from the fifties.
1: Yeah, so Cody's going to DJ this restaurant. Uh, The restaurant officially opens. First uh, group table comes in. JT's waiting on them. They ask for like some waters or something. But then Dana kind of gets over there, and uh, well, they she calls him Chubby instead of Cubby, which you did as well. So I understand it's pretty easy to do. Well,
2: I was using. So here's what I here's the thing. I couldn't remember the name on his shirt, but I can remember they called him Chubby. So I was trying to back into the name by starting with Chubby. This is what I did.
1: So... Dana comes in and is like, now JT, the customer's always right. If they called you Chubby, your name's Chubby. And uh, he gets mad and <laughs> into that scene. Yep. Back to the uh, kitchen at the house. Mark and Al still playing with that lie detector. It's on Frank now. Um, he's answering some questions and Carol comes in and this is where she takes advantage of the lie detector and discovers that he's getting lingerie catalogs sent to carol so then he could get him to look at himself
2: <laughs> <laughs> right makes sense because right. he's not he's not a grown man uh um, whatever
1: i mean no internet well 90 no not really no right?
2: not 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 no but like just get adult magazines i guess
1: i don't know you could do that um then we've got uh well, I don't know. You've got six kids in that house too. You, this is a little uh, less suspicious. He has
2: an, o- he has an office. Okay. We know that that's been established.
1: All right. Um that 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 that. that. And then uh, JT and
2: Karen. JT and Karen come home from their day at work, and they are just mad at Dana. They're they, it's. They basically say, "I've never worked so hard in my life," uh, and it's just it's just awful.
1: Yeah, and like uh, then Frank kind of steps in and like, oh, you guys just need to work hard. It's not like it was when it was my day. I used to work twelve hour shifts, and then he still has the lie detector on. It's like it goes eight hard. hour shifts, arr, five hour shifts. Arr. Well, it was a paper route, and then he finally gets it right. Right. Um. Then we're back at the restaurant. It's real busy. Like every day was busy. full. Um. Dana, of course, is being pushy on uh JT and Karen about sucking at work. Two of them quit. Then the two cooks quit. And now uh, Dana's like begging Karen to not quit because she knows if she's gone, then the cooks are gone and she's in real trouble. But uh, she quits anyways. The boys follow her. And uh, she can Dana just cannot run this place by herself.
2: Yeah. I mean, everything evolves because she has no employees and barely knows what she's doing herself.
1: Yep. So uh, we have a commercial break. We come back. Dana is uh, just doing everything like busting tables and uh, waiting on tables and getting stuff out of the kitchen. And uh, she's like, Cody, I need your help. You've got to help me out with this. And uh, Frank and Carol coming at this point. Uh, Carol references American Graffiti, which uh, she was in. She played uh, the girl in the T-Bird. Like that was her character name, which uh, Frank also references here, which I mean, I guess if you knew she was in that, it's pretty funny, right?
2: Well, right. The specific joke here is that Frank says, you know, this reminds me of American Graffiti. And I've always wanted to find a blonde like the blonde that was in the T-Bird in American Graffiti. And Suzanne Somers, like you said, was that character and says, if you keep looking, you might find her. And Frank is like, I don't think so. And yeah. Kind of just walks away.
1: Um. So then they uh, they see Dana is like overwhelmed with everything she's doing. And Dana tells them that uh, Karen and JT quit and uh dana then begs frank and carol to help out um I
2: which me as a parent i would have been a, i would that would have been a hard no for me it's like i'm not doing this not you would a- have said no if my child was at a job that they're getting paid for by somebody else and my child said hey i need you to be a waiter at this random restaurant for me i would be like no oh, <laughs> i would
1: have done it in a heartbeat
2: not a chance not a chance
1: um cody then goes and collects all the uh, cheeseburgers that he just handed out because he didn't realize that the uh, cheese had wrappers on it so he had to go get all those so he could then take the wrappers out and give it back to people before they start eating plastic
2: right Yeah. right and then we yeah and then we cut later and we see frank is in fact helping busting tables uh although dana is again being ungrateful and just says go faster do more
1: yeah, and they've got the uh, the work names Frankie and Annette, which is another callback, obviously. And then uh, they talk to Dana, and they're like, look, you need to stop yelling at everyone, and you need to treat people how you want to be treated. And she's kind of starting to realize what's going on. Uh, Mr. Passarelli comes back, um, and then Cody has a little mini kitchen fire. Nothing huge. Yeah, no,
2: nothing too bad.
1: But uh, he does, I think he makes a joke, like, anyone want their burger? Like, well, well, well done. And he's, like, holding up this, like, charred piece of beef from a fork.
2: Yeah, like a, like a puck. Uh,
1: final scene, I think. We're back at the house. JT and Karen are shooting, like, uh, those suction cup dart guns at a, a right. photo. looks like probably uh, Dana's headshot from when she applied for the show.
2: <laughs> Maybe her headshot from Going Places. we are like, let's get the Going Places one are here.
1: Uh, Frank and Carol get home with Dana at four. They, uh, they force Dana to apologize, but, um, <clears throat> eventually she kind of like, it does a meaningful apology. And yeah. Then,
2: she does a real, a real half ass apology to begin with, but they get her to the right spot.
1: Uh, and then, uh, Frankie and Annette, Frank and Carol, they uh, go upstairs making some more like uh beach blanket jokes as they're going up there. He says, cowabunga uh dana goes upstairs as well and then uh <clears throat> says something and then karen and jt uh shoot some dart guns at her as the episode ends
2: right correct
1: and mine cut off before the end of it i know there's a credit Ooh, scene with there um, is more lie detectors with cody but i don't know what was revealed yeah, from yeah, the yeah. lie detector. so
2: cody is using the lie detector now to find the van his van keys uh, so they, they start asking questions and they determine that the, the keys are in his van. And then the next question is, well, I don't know where my van is. And that's when it cuts to the end of the episode.
1: No, so we don't find out.
2: We don't know where his van is. But we do know his keys are in his van if he can find it.
1: There's a real creepy car outside of my house. I'm trying to see what's going on.
2: I want to say I'm really impressed with all of the research that you did here. You picked up on all the good Easter eggs and I'm, I'm hey, impressed. Good job.
1: I didn't even really need to do the research.
2: Well... did somebody else tell you
1: only thing i looked up was um what al's real name was that was it
2: you knew you knew the the american graffiti joke you knew that suzanne was an american Graffiti.
1: no i wouldn't watch the scene i knew i figured she was in it when they said it and then i did go watch the that scene in the movie Uh, because
2: i thought you've probably never seen american graffiti in your life
1: i've never seen american (laughs) graffiti in my life um the i'm guessing i saw the only thing she was in the movie i don't know if
0: yeah, yeah, there's more than one
1: scene is it just the car drives by and then drives off and they're like go follow yeah, her and they're a, like no and that's it
2: yeah, yeah it's pretty much a cameo okay uh and then do you do you know wait was she Frank well annette was at at she
1: all? well known like before american graffiti
2: no okay i don't think so
1: yeah uh, but frankie and annette definitely i know all that stuff you knew that i okay. mean peewee they're big peewee people
2: that's fair that's fair yeah. that's fair
1: all right I'm dinosaurs good job Season three, episode four. Hopefully, I watched the right one. It's called The Discovery. And it starts off you've got Earl and Roy. They're playing uh, in a We Say So golf tournament. And 10th annual. 10th annual. They're on the last shot. Um, If uh, Earl can get a par, then he'll win the championship for his division, which is like ridiculous, like how specific his division is. I don't know if you wrote that down. I didn't. It was like. Oh, I could win my division for dinosaurs that only meet that are 54 years old and do this. (laughs) And, like, pretty much everyone's winning a championship. Uh, Anyways, all the other dinosaurs that are playing with him, uh, I guess Roy's on his part, is his partner, and there's two other guys, I'm assuming, that are against them. uh, All think he's going to choke. And he talks about being able to hit the ball over the trees. And what do you know? Ball goes over the trees and. Everyone kind of freaks out because the tree line is the end of the world. If you go past the trees, you fall off and you die.
2: Fall off.
1: Um, but Carl's like, or Earl says, yes. you know what? I'm playing it where it lies. Don't give me that two stroke penalty. And Yeah, he's uh, like, I don't
2: want that penalty.
1: I'll take it. I'm going into the past that tree line. I'm going to, I'm going to find that ball. So. That's where we go after the theme. Earl is looking for there's his a lot ball. Of, there's,
2: hold on. There's there's a lot of good signs we see on the way. And the first sign we see is a sign that's that kind of like a, a, a road post, you know, like this way to the clubhouse, this way to the, to the 18th hole. And one sign says this way to unspeakable horrors.
1: Is that pointing is down too?
2: No, no. I think no. it was going to the left, okay. which is obviously the direction that Earl needs to go into.
1: So after the theme, we come back to uh, Earl looking for his ball. Roy is following him because the other two wanted to make sure that he's not cheating, and they make it to the edge of the trees, but as they look out, it's not the end of the world, it's just this uncharted land, and and Earl has claimed that he has discovered it, so...
2: Right. It's this beautiful, like, untouched valley, very land-before-time, you know, type type situation. One thing that I thought was really funny here is that we're about to get into kind of the crux, like, the really, the meat of the story here. But Earl claims that he is the first one to discover this, although there is clearly a pterodactyl flying across the valley as they walk into it. So, regardless of what we're about to talk about, there is a dinosaur that is well aware that
1: this this place exists. Do, um... Do pterodactyls in this show like have? Do they talk at all? Like are there So we haven't really seen that. There Which was one in like a from, bar, wasn't there?
2: Of, you know, pterodactyls technically aren't dinos, aren't dinosaurs. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I don't remember there being one in a bar, but but there have been ones where they have like taken the baby. Remember the one they like took the baby up into the to the nest? And there's been instances of pterodactyls. They do seem to be a little bit more wild as opposed to kind of these these civilized dinosaurs. But regardless, there's a there's a pterodactyl right there in front of him as he's saying, I found this new place.
1: Casey was wondering if I'm all right. That car that drove by like 10 minutes ago has just now driven by again the opposite direction and stopped in front of my house and just looked.
2: I'm not worried about it. You have you have a ton of Halloween direction or decorations outside your house that are really cool to look at. I'm sure that it's daytime.
1: I'm, I'm creeped out.
2: Well, then maybe the other, other, you know, case here is that you have all these decorations outside of your house, and this is the HOA finally catching yeah, up to you. That, it might be that. And they're taking <clears throat> pictures.
1: All right. So, obviously, what we're getting here is like this Christopher Columbus parallel, right?
2: Very yeah, colonialism, you know.
1: Discovering the new world kind of stuff. So, um,. Then we see some cavemen, and they start throwing rocks at Earl and Roy, but Earl like uh, turns into like big, mean dinosaur and chases them off the screen. Well,
2: because they knock Roy out with the,
1: the rocks. Oh, I didn't and even then, catch yeah. that.
2: Yeah, the first rock is thrown and hits Roy and knocks him out, and that's when Earl turns and looks. We see the cavemen. Earl scares them away.
1: Uh, next scene, we're back at the house. Earl is wanting some uh, more recognition for discovering the new world. But Robbie's explaining to him how there's people that were there before him. And this is not his discovery. Like, he's not the first one there.
2: Well, he also goes into a little bit of a little bit more kind of educated knowledge on cavemen where he's like, you know, there's people that think there's dinosaurs that think these cavemen have complex agrarian societies. And they're, they're more than just these random animals that they actually have. You know, they're able to think and do things. Uh, and he knows that... He, he he tells Earl, he says, this is just going to lead to the same thing that happens every time we find new land, the expansion of the Dinosaur Empire, and the destruction and death of whatever good is in that place.
1: Yeah, so then uh phone rings. It's Mr. Ridgefield. And Mr. Ridgefield's pretty much just trying to take advantage of, uh, of Earl and his discovery, trying to get this land from him. But he... Eventually promises that uh, he will name it Sinclair City. So Earl quickly agrees. That's all he really wants.
2: That's all he wants. He's in. He's in.
1: So the next scene, they start developing um, Sinclair City. Robbie is still trying to tell his dad about uh, how humans are smart and not savages and uh, how his dad's destroying a civilization that they already have. And then as this is going on, you see Baby kind of just start crawling off on his own into the forest.
2: Well, he's following a trail of cookies. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. To lure him away, yes.
1: So, Baby's following this trail of cookies. Earl um, is explaining how he just wants to be remembered. And then they show Baby again collecting these cookies down this trail where Robbie eventually finds him at the end of the cookie trail and a net falls on them. The cavemen have now captured uh, Robbie and Baby.
2: Yep. That's it.
1: So then we go back to the house where the rest of the family is. And they, uh, I guess Earl talked him into thinking that maybe they went home. They are not home. Robbie and baby are still missing. Fran is very concerned, but uh, Earl does not want her to call the police. He says that he can handle this on his own.
2: Well, Earl's attitude also is that him and Robbie were fighting and he assumes that Robbie just took baby and, and is having a, you know, kind of being mopey in the woods because he's mad at his dad.
1: So after this, uh, we have a scene where we see baby and Robbie tied up by the cavemen. Um, obviously there's a uh, different language. Well, well, you miss
2: a part here that's kind of just fun. Sure. That Roy does come into the house and he's got a shoe that's Robbie's. And this is when the family starts to really worry and understand that, that Robbie is maybe something's happened and because, because sorry, Roy also says, I found it next to, you know, some caveman tracks and that's you know, now the is is worried.
1: So, um, the cavemen don't understand, uh, Robbie and baby, Robbie and baby don't understand the cavemen. So they bring in this, uh, translator who is a female dinosaur, who is kind of like adopted the caveman ways pretty much.
2: Well, I would say the cavemen adopted her. Sure. And she kind of, she grew up as a caveman cave person. Uh, her name is thighs of thunder thighs of but then she tells a story yeah she tells a story about how her parents basically took her to a picnic in the woods and they decided that they were too busy to have a child so they just left her in the woods and ran away when she wasn't looking and that's when the cavemen found her and took the took her in as one of their own
1: yeah and then we see a scene where uh, earl is recruiting like a posse of dinosaurs to help him uh with the cave people but the rest of the guys are all kind of like telling him how it's a bad idea I, that's what i got out of it
2: well, right. They're the the they're, you know the, the he wants to raise this posse, and the posse is like, well, if we raise a posse, are they gonna raise a posse? And doesn't a posse imply that we're doing something illegal? And if we go and we do something illegal as a posse, then somebody has to come do something illegal, and it just creates this this whole culture of illegal posse activity. They have some really deep kind of wormholes they go down on the validity of a, of a posse.
1: Yeah. So all of uh, Earl's friends are worried about this plan. Uh, Fran calls for Earl and says that. She and Charlene are going after the boys. They're going to go get them back. And then Earl's like, all right, I'll go with you too. Um, well, he's,
2: Cause he's seeing that this posse thing isn't going. anywhere. Yeah. And he's got to kind of get out while he can to get some work done. He
1: kind of like looks back at him for a second. He's like, all right. So then we show uh Thighs of thunder uh, who is uh, showing Robbie and baby. These like cave drawings that pretty much show the entire history of the cave people. All the way to like current times where there's actually a painting of uh, Robbie and baby on the wall as well.
2: right right right. but the way that she presents this is like cavemen came to this place, cavemen did you know farming. and that's pretty much it. The, she impl- the, the implication here, the joke is that caveman history is very short and that that it's so short that Robbie and and baby are the end of it at this point.
1: Yeah, and what Thaisa wants is uh, she wants Robbie and baby to make sure that they tell everyone, that cave people only want to preserve this land. They don't want people coming in and building on top of it. She'll let them go as long as they spread that word.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So then we see Robbie and Baby coming out of the cave, uh, followed by uh, Thiza and another caveman. And uh, Earl and Fran and Charlene are shown arriving at the same time. <laughs> and... Uh,
2: well, that's not exactly what happens. No? No, so... Fran, Carl, and Charlene are outside of the house and, or excuse me, the cave, and they're like fiercely growling. Although the three of them look like fools growling Uh because they aren't aren't very good at it. And while they're doing that, Robbie's like, I think that that's my family. And they all, and him and baby go out and then, and then thighs of thunder comes out behind them.
1: Yeah. And they go out there and then like, I don't remember the conversation. Does is kind of like the tax guy, the next important part, or is there anything important with this conversation before that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Earl basically says, Hey, look, I discovered it. It's mine. And it, and, and, I got this deed, this piece of paper that says it's mine. And the cavemen are kind of looking at, you know, Thunder thunders looking at everybody cavemen looking at me like, what the hell what's going on? Like, what? how do, what is this guy talking about? And at that point tax guy shows up.
1: Yeah. And he's like, uh, yeah, this is your land. You owe us $11,280,000. And if you don't pay it, the collection department's going to bite your face off. So he's like, uh, and Robbie's like, uh, maybe you should just let the keep, cave people keep their land. If you do that, no one's going to have to pay for it and uh, everything will be okay. And Earl sadly agrees, but because he can't afford that.
2: No, no, not at all. I mean, he, you know, if he were to sell some, develop some, then he could pay the taxes, but that's not the case.
1: Yeah. So the cave people all thank him for giving them the land back. We're back at the well, house.
2: There, there's a thing here because Robbie comes to this idea that he's like, hey, look, these cave people are not citizens you can't can you tax them you can't tax them right and the tax guy's like uh nope i guess not and so that's why you know earl then gives the deed to the caveman
1: yep and then they're back at the house um the news is on and we see a news story that the cave people pretty much just sold the land back to this tax guy for 24 dollars and uh named a baseball team after him. <laughs> That's it.
2: Well, yeah. So we got, we get back. We got a DNN report from Howard hand up me. And he says, like you said, that the government immediately entered into negotiations with the cave people. They ended up buying it for twenty four dollars and some beads, like you said, which is the amount that, uh, that the, you know, the Dutch bought Manhattan from oh. <laughs> the, the native American, you know, the indigenous people for back in the day. And they said, yeah, they said, but the, you know, they're being relocated to Northwest Pangea. But in honor of them, we're going to create a baseball team called the Pangea Cavemen. And we're going to put the stadium right here. Uh, and they showed the logo, and the logo was you know, the, the Cleveland Indians. Indians yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's the story of the colonization of North
1: America. Yep. So that's uh, the end of that one. We've got uh, one more for you this week Camp Wilder, 9 30, season one, episode six. Sophie's birthday is named the episode and it starts off. We've got uh, Brody and he's kind of like anxiously waiting for a call from Jennifer and Beth and Danielle are in there.
2: Uh, no, 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 no. He is, he is anxious. He's not waiting for a call. He is anxiously psyching himself up to, to make call, a call
1: her. Okay. Jennifer. Yeah.
2: And Danielle and Beth are there and they're trying to you know help him get psyched up for this.
1: Yeah. And they're also watching like a new Madonna video and, um, Sophie keeps asking questions like, is that her husband? And she's like, yes. Well, then who's that? That's her friend. Now, who's this girl, her friend? I don't know which video that is that they're watching that they're talking about. but It could have been any Madonna video. But, <laughs> yeah,
2: she's got a lot of questions about the relationships between Madonna and the people in the in Yeah, because the there's just like
1: a big orgy in the music video pretty much. Is what yeah, it comes it's Madonna. Out. It's a yeah.
2: Madonna, Madonna video from the early
1: 90s. Um, Danielle also keeps getting upset about uh, just the name Jennifer because at one point there was a girl named Jennifer that... Uh, kind of stole her boyfriend from her right before dance or something like that. So she's mad about just right the name before Jennifer.
2: homecoming. Correct. Yeah. Right before homecoming and, and took her date to homecoming.
1: Uh, and then Beth uh, or Brody's like, Beth, can you just call her? So Beth dials the phone, calls Jennifer, hands over the phone to, uh, to Brody who asks uh, <clears throat> Jennifer out. And then seconds later we find out that he actually was just on the phone with her mom asking her mom out. <laughs> Did that happen on another yeah, show I like recently?
2: It did. We did get the jo- the same joke recently. It was kind of the opposite, where Laura last last week was being called by by the boy to after the rumor started, uh-huh. and when she called back to yell at the boy, she got the boy's. Boy That's right.
1: Mom. Yeah, yeah. Um, then uh, Ricky gets home. Well, no. Then he uh, then Brody tells uh, Dorfman that he's going out on a date with Jennifer. Like he did yeah, talk he, to her. He,
2: he, he does end up getting getting this date.
1: Yeah, then Ricky comes home, she's tired. Uh Dorfman of course offers to uh rub her temples. Uh, Very make, thoughtful. Yeah.
2: And and most of the rest of her body as she, well.
1: He does do that too. And then uh Ricky asks Brody that for him to come straight home tomorrow from school, she needs to uh take Sophie out for some shopping and it's really important because uh he's just been pretty forgetful about things and he she needs to make sure that he's there tomorrow. Right. Right. And yeah, then she, also he's, he's yeah. We also find out here that, uh, tonight was his night to cook dinner and he completely forgot to do that. So now no one has anything to eat.
2: Right. I would also just make a note. We also kind of find out here that, that Sophie's party is a sleepover, which is important later.
1: Yep. Um, so all that happened before the theme song, we come back after the theme. It's the next day. Um, Ricky's there waiting after school cause Brody did not come straight home. She's mad. um, waiting. Brody and Dorfman come home. Brody says he's in love. And then uh, Ricky's like, I need to talk to you. So the two of them talk about uh, him just being forgetful for not um, for not taking care of things that need to be taken care of in the house. And uh, how this always happens whenever there's a girl involved. But she needs to be able to depend on him to help run the house. She cannot do it on her own.
2: Right. And then they start physically abusing each other.
1: Yeah. She's like, What do you want me to do? Hit you? And he's like, Oh, And she's like, I'm going to hit you. And then, like, punches him in the stomach. And she's like, What do you want me to do? Hit you back. And she's, and then, like, Let me flick you in the ear. And then she flicks him in, or he flicks her in the ear. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. More um, or less. All right. So it's nighttime. I don't know. I, yeah is it the same day it could be (laughs) um they're setting no no
2: no they skip ahead well no it couldn't have been because the party was on a saturday night and she was mad at him for not coming home from school on time so this so this is the night of
1: the party um they're setting up for the party and uh brody asks ricky to borrow 30 bucks for uh for the dinner date that he's got that night and ricky makes some joke about like uh why don't you just do what I did when I was dating? And then she's like, "Nope, no, don't do that." Here's forty dollars, <laughs> right? And then uh, Danielle and Beth uh, talked to Brody about first dates and how girls never know if they're supposed to eat or not. And then like how she probably eat, already ate because she didn't know if they were going to eat. So you probably don't need the thirty dollars anyway. She might just order salad or something like that.
2: There's a lot of dating rules in this show. Like you can watch this show and
1: learn a lot. Right. It's an informative show, right? I know it is. So, uh, then Ricky gets a call, uh, into work. Apparently she was on call, but Brody forgot to tell her that she got a message saying that she was on call this day. She tries to get out of it. They won't let her. So she's got to go to work. So now Brody is in the spot where he's like, you know what? Don't cancel the birthday party. I'll throw Sophie's party. I'm not going to, I don't care about this date. I don't need to go on it. I'm going to take care of this. It's my mistake that uh, I didn't tell you. And, uh, She's like, "All right, well, thank you. It's really responsible." And she goes off, and then Brody tells Dorfman, um, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna invite Jennifer over. All the kids will go to bed, and then her and I can have our date here.
2: Total, so and I think his his plan here is completely reasonable. and I, I, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a problem with it. However,
1: however, uh, Brody calls Jennifer to tell her the new plan and Jennifer, he doesn't even get the chance to tell her because Jennifer's like, well, there's a big party tonight. I'm picking you up at 9.30. We're going to the beach. And he's not able to even tell her going on to the phone. Going to the beach.
2: Party time. He's like, I'm in. Yeah. Pick me up.
1: So uh, Brody then asks Melissa to watch the kids. Um, she says no. She heads out and then offer, or asks Dorfman who says no. And then he offers him $10. And Dorfman's like, all right, I'm on it.
2: Yeah, endorphins—a cheap date.
1: Yeah, so Brody then and like goes in and like he still has some time to like play with the kids and stuff before he's yeah, got to go out on this date. So he goes in there. They have a uh, gross sandwich eating contest where you got to make a gross sandwich and then you got to eat it. That's that's the game, which sounds like a lot right. of fun.
2: It does sound fun. And Brody's whole thought process here is that they'll eat all these gross sandwiches, get full, pass out, job done.
1: Yeah, and then they can leave. So. They make these sandwiches. I mean, there's what, like mustard and sardines Honey, and
2: chocolate, tuna
1: fish, uh, all kinds of stuff. Anything they can find in the fridge, pretty much. So they do that. Um, Then they uh, Brody and Dorfman start doing like a Barbie puppet show on the television in front of the couch. And all of the kids fall asleep. They're all out <laughs> on the couch. And it looks like the plan is working.
2: Well, the funny thing here, the joke here is that they're doing this Barbie Miss America, like you said, puppet show, more or less. And all the girls pass out and and Brody and Dorfman are so into it that they keep going for way longer than they have to yeah. after these girls have passed out. That's pretty funny.
1: So, let's see. All the kids fall asleep on the couch. Uh, Brody is getting ready to leave for this date. Then Ricky calls and uh, she's like, I hope you remembered to like give this kid your medicine, their medicine and this kid needs to sleep on their stomach so they don't get nightmares and this kid needs to use the bathroom. And he's just like... Ricky, you need to stop taking everything so seriously. Everything is fine. You're always taking everything so seriously. And then they hang up on the phone. Uh, then the chain of events starts happening. Lindsay comes down. Um, she's broken out in a rash because she didn't get her medicine. Uh, one of the other kids that just wets the bed all the time, wet the bed. Um, Sarah's having nightmares and her nightmares have now caused her to wake up all the kids. So now we've got all 10 of these kids, uh, awake and uh leaving Brody in a spot where he may not be able to go on this uh, date
2: yeah but even worse Sophie is downstairs with the rest of the kids obviously and she is starting to complain about her stomach and how it's it's really she's got a real bad pain in her stomach we do get a suggestion for appendicitis here which you know obviously call back and then
1: Yeah, then uh, or
2: not Dorfman, but Brody's like kind of checking the pulse of the room. Like, how's everybody else feel? Is anybody else sick? And at first everyone's like, No, no, we're fine. Everyone's fine. And then things go downhill.
1: Yeah, and then all the kids start feeling sick. They all have the same stomach pain. They realize it is from these gross sandwiches that they were eating. And uh he they all like look like they're gonna throw up. He opens the front door, tells them all to run outside and throw up. As this happens, Jennifer shows up, one of the kids throws up on Jennifer's shoes, and uh Brody and Jennifer are now there, but Brody ends up uh, giving Dorfman $20 to watch the kids so he can go to the beach with Jennifer.
2: I will say Jennifer is Mary Shelton. Mary Shelton was in Family Matters, the episode recently, Women of the People, where Laura ran for her school president. She was not the woman or the girl that, that she ran against, but she was that best friend character for the okay. girl that Laura ran against. Becky Sue was her name.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, Becky Sue is who ran against her, right?
2: No, and Becky Sue was not. It was it was this is Becky Sue. This is Becky Sue.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um. So Sophie really doesn't want Brody to go on this date. Um. And then Brody's like, "All right." So he tells Jennifer that he can't go, and Jennifer's like, "You know what? I really find guys who are nurturing to be so sexy." So even though he has to turn down this date, this party, it looks like he still has some promise with uh, Jennifer down the line. And this is where you tell me she's not There's in any more episodes, right?
2: I don't think she's in any more episodes, but I could be—I could be wrong.
1: Okay, I could be wrong. So all the kids fall asleep. Um, with uh, Brody and Dorfman watching like uh, Friday the Thirteenth or something, Friday the 13th. right? Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, uh, it was Friday the Thirteenth. They all fall asleep on the couch. They're like on top of uh, Brody and uh, Dorfman, so they can't even get up if they wanted to. Ricky gets home, uh, ready for bed. Uh, Brody tells her how crazy the night was she uses the same line that Brody used to her earlier saying that like, why do you have to take things so seriously? And then, uh, eventually helps, uh, get all these kids tucked into bed.
2: Yeah, she does.
1: Um, Ricky tells Brody, uh, like, thank you for doing it. You're going to make a great dad someday. And then, uh, we both had such good teachers is what she said. And then, Dorfman's on the couch has oh, like up. curled up Has a little nightmare saying like Jason No Jason and then that's the End <laughs> of the episode So that's and it
2: then, Well we had there was the uh, I don't know if it was in the credits or not But we get Sophie comes down and tells Ricky how great of a time she had Missed and, that uh, Oh and no no then, I did see that I saw that Yeah and I don't know I don't even know what my note is Sophie told Ricky all about the party Yeah that sounds that right means. Yeah Cool. Probably, like,
1: we made gross sandwiches and did Barbie puppet shows.
2: Yeah, wow. yeah,
1: yeah. Alright. Ranking them? You gonna rank them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's going first? Um, I'll go uh,
2: first. It's still kind of tough. tough. I, yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna... Oof. I think I'm gonna put i don't know all right you ready dinosaurs four step
1: by step three camp wilder two family matters one that's what i'm going with
2: i'm okay with that i I think i might do dinosaurs four uh step by step three or excuse me camp wilder three step by step two family matters one here's my thing family matters that to me is an easy number one right that was an easy pick Camp Wilder and Step by Step, I, I could have gone either way. I, I'm, Camp Wilder's growing on me because they're doing exactly what I wanted, which is they're talking about the kids. Mm-hmm. There's a kid mm-hmm. problems, teenage problems. I like it. Uh, I did like a lot of the just in jokes on Step by Step this week. You know, having have an owl on there and, and just kind of a lot of stuff that happened. Um, and then the Dinosaurs episode, like this is the kind of Dinosaurs episode I really appreciate rewatching because as a kid,
1: yeah, you wouldn't have none of this of
2: made it. sense. Um, I will say this and I hate to say it. I feel like dinosaurs is becoming kind of tedious to to watch and take notes on. I don't know yeah. what it is. I don't know if it's just the puppets are kind of. I'm getting kind of like over the whole puppet thing. Uh, but there's it's just something about it's becoming a little bit tedious. How it's, much do we have left? Of the be-
1: dinosaurs is this the final season? No, there's another season. No, oh, there is.
2: There's another season. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but you know, whatever. I, I, maybe that's just a now thing, and we'll and it'll go away. But um, yeah, that's. I agree with you. You're pretty much pretty much great all
1: right so uh next week on the show full week maybe
2: full full week yeah we got a full week week. yep so we're gonna be doing family matter season four episode six step by step season two episode seven dinosaur season three episode five camp wilder season one episode seven
1: uh once again thanks to callie for the theme song this week make sure you're following us on all social media at tgifcast email us tgifcast at gmail.com And uh, we'll be here for you. Full week of TGIF next week.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else, Steve? No, that's
1: it. All right, man. You have a good week. You got it, dude.
0: When I met my sister, sister, I felt... Such a right tough way. Step by step, walked me through, and that's enough for me. Saw that I was down, picked me up, got the moon right. Dance like a separate night in the moonlight. She said it's Friday night, and the mood is right. Now we're gonna have some fun, let me show you how it's done. Thank God it's fun.